It's five minutes with me. Well, hi ho and welcome to five minutes with Marco, as we call it. Maybe six minutes today. We'll see. So uh, I want to talk to you about the long view about 25 years ago. <laughs> I'm old. Remember, um, I identified three young teen guys in my middle school ministry that I wanted to mentor. And I started meeting with them as a group. I saw both like a spiritual interest and a leadership potential in each of them. And I, I think back on that little group that I met with every week for two years as one of my most fond memories over my 40 years in youth ministry. One of those guys was Michael. Other than one or two Facebook connections, and might have actually been in the earliest ones, been a MySpace. Uh, over those years, I'd mostly lost touch with him until several years ago. All I knew was that Michael had in the years since seemed to drift away from the church and maybe his faith, I wasn't sure. But several years ago, while visiting the city Michael now lives in, I got to have coffee with him. It was just a blast to reconnect and hear his story. He was a highly committed volunteer youth worker at his church uh, in those days, which, of course, brings me great joy. Hearing Michael's story fascinated me. During 10th grade, Michael had a traumatic head, head injury from a skateboard accident and was incapacitated, bed, bedridden for three months. Even though he'd been extremely involved in the youth ministry, no teenagers from our church called him while he was out or went to visit him, I think a couple leaders like reached out via mail, but no students. The Sunday morning he returned, not one person asked him where he'd been or how he was or expressed that they'd missed him. I, by the way, had moved on from that church by that point. And in that moment, as he stood in the back of the youth ministry room feeling alone, a switch flipped, and Michael suddenly in that space, remember he was 14 at the time, concluded that he didn't belong, and he never came back. A dozen years passed. Michael got involved in a bunch of destructive habits, dropped out of school, even though he was an extremely intelligent guy. He passed an equivalency test, moved to another city, and sort of drifted through life. He said it never really dropped his belief in God, but he was very angry at the church. And over time, this anger at the church grew to a calcified belief that the church was a joke and merely a collective of hypocrites. After a dozen years, Michael felt the pull to try to try out a local church he'd heard about. And the funny thing is, while it might have been God's spirit prompting him to return, Michael's entire reason for giving it a shot was to prove to himself that he was right about how cold and hypocritical the church was. By this time, Michael had tattoos up and down both arms, and he purposely wore a sleeveless shirt that morning as an intentional dare to whoever would look at him funny or say something negative about his ink. Michael walked across the parking lot of his church, stealing himself from the negative response he was confident he would receive. But the first person he encountered said, great tats, man, who does your work? And that was it. Michael was back. And here's what I find stunning about this story. The actions that caused Michael to leave and the action that opened the door to his return were so very, very minor. They weren't about structures or methodologies or programming or curriculum or buildings or youth room, youth rooms. They were both negative and positive about expressing or not expressing you belong. We want you here. 
amazing to me. It seems like a puff of air, something so featherweight. But in negative and thankfully redemptive ways, these seemingly minor expressions shaped Michael's story more than anything else over the last 15 years. Michael is a reminder to me of the importance of the long view. God drew Michael back, not me or his new church, but the Sunday evenings I spent with Michael and Ben and Garrett at a Taco Bell sharing our lives and talking about the Bible remain a critical part of his story, even to this day. I thought about I thought I was embracing the long view in the past when I said things like, who cares if a student is actively engaged in her faith today if she's going to walk away from it in three years? Our success should be measured by the former teenagers who are actively engaged in their faith when they're in their young 20s. But Michael's story tells me that's hogwash. Sure, God worked through me to plant some stuff deep in Michael that did not get wasted. But my revised thinking is this. I care that a teenager is actively engaged in her faith today. And even if she walks away from it, I trust that God is going to continue working in her life. For example, what if I had taken my success measurement when Michael was 25 years old? Fail. 27 years old? Fail. It was only at the very tail end of his 20s that Michael re-engaged church and faith. Of course, of course, I don't desire that any post-youth grouper would walk away, but their stories and their journeys are not mine to control. All I can do is be faithful in the here and now while trusting God for each teenager's future. The self-important and misguided version of the long view relies more on my ability to engage and provide a correct combination of stickiness. The better version of the long view relies more on humility, trust, and hope. Remember what Paul writes in Romans 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Cartel Podcast Network.